Several years ago, I was accosted by a street preacher who came up to me all red in the face, yelling at me, Are you saved? And I said, Yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, Yeah, but do you go to church? And I said, Yes, I go to church. What kind of church is it? I said, I go to a Presbyterian church. Oh, Presbyterian. No, that's not good. No, no. <laughs> well, well, do you manifest the Holy Spirit? And I said, I'm Presbyterian. We manifest nothing. <laughs> Besides, I'm not even sure if that's legal. <clears throat> and he kept hounding me, even though I said over and over again, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, although you're making me rethink that. To many Americans, that is the image that comes to mind when they hear the word evangelism. A pushy, obnoxious person shoving their religion at someone else. And that's one of the main reasons that people think they don't like church. They think if they go to church, it's going to be filled with obnoxious people. Not like any of you, none of you, present company accepted. And it's one of the reasons that those of us who call ourselves Christians are shy about talking about our faith because we don't want to be seen as pushy or obnoxious. That's where I find this parable of the sower helpful. Last week we looked at this story. So just by the way, if you were wondering, haven't I heard that scripture before? We did read it last week. And we asked the question, what kind of soil are we? This week I want to look at the same parable from a different perspective and ask, what kind of sower are we? Jesus says the sower sows the seed on these four different types of soil. Hard, shallow, thorny, or good. And the seed represents God's word to us, what God wants to say to us, which, as I said last week, is basically this. I love you no matter what you do or don't do. I love you so much that I died so that we could be reconciled. I love you enough not to leave you the way I found you, but to transform you and invite you into this adventure with me of building my kingdom. And by the way, did I mention... I love you. That is God's word to us. And that's what the seed represents. And the sower is Jesus, the person who tells this word. But not just tells it, he's also that word in the flesh. And if we call ourselves his followers, then he asks us to sow that word too, to spread the word of God's love to others. The last thing Jesus said before he left was, Go, make disciples of all nations. And we've been talking all winter about what it means to be a disciple. And one of the things a disciple of Jesus does is they make other disciples. They spread the word of God's love. They are sowers. But how do we talk about our faith in a world where people are already predisposed to think that if we go to church, then we must automatically be pushy, obnoxious people? How do we share our faith with authenticity in that kind of world? Well, I think this parable gives us some suggestions, five to be precise. The first thing we need to do is realize that what we're sowing is not a political agenda, it's not a religion, it's not an ideology, it's a life-giving relationship with God. That's the word we spread. You know, the sower in this parable doesn't sow inanimate things. He's not tossing out rocks or minerals. He sows seeds, and seeds are, are organic, and they create life. And it's the same with our faith. We're not, we're not sharing a sterile set of beliefs or dogmas or, or political positions. Those are things. We're inviting people into a living relationship with God where we can be fully known and fully loved and transformed. It's 
not an ideology, it's a relationship. The second thing we need to remember is that this is a relationship with a God who is passionate about us. And that's exciting. If you ask the question, why does the sower sow? The answer is because he wants a harvest. He doesn't want to be hungry. And it's the same with God. He reaches out to us because he's hung he hungers for us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. Doesn't want to be without us. Doesn't want heaven to be empty. That's exciting. You see, it's not that just it's not just that God loves you because he's God and theologically he has to. He likes you. He wants to be with you forever and that is exciting news and it needs to be told to others. People need to know that. A friend of mine just got a a TiVo set, that little box you can put on your TV that allows you to record things and rewind live television. And he says that people who own TiVo get so excited about what it does that they tell everyone all about the virtues of TiVo. And there's even a name for them. They're called TiVo evangelists. And the day my friend bought his TiVo set, he, he, he was cornered by one of these TiVo evangelists who just went on and on about how TiVo was going to transform his life. Now, I'm sure TiVo's great, but it's, it's TiVo, right? I mean, it's just television. How much more excited should we get about a God who hungers to be with us? That's good news, which is what the word gospel means. Good news. Even though some people have turned it into a bad news message of shoulds and oughts and condemnations. You know, have you heard the good news? You're going to hell. No. That is not our message. That is not the seed we sow. The seed we sow is about a God who is passionate about us and wants to spend eternity with us. And that boggles my mind. You know, I'm not sure I want to spend eternity with anyone, especially me. I get on my nerves. But God is passionate about us and wants to be with us forever. That is the message we bring. That is the seed we sow. That's something to get excited about. The third thing this story tells us about sharing our faith is that we don't have to convince anybody of anything. Our job is just to tell the story about Jesus and his love and then let people make up their own minds. The sower in this parable doesn't force the ground to receive the seed. In fact, the parable presupposes that not all ground will want it. But the sower sows it anyway and then lets the soils decide if they're going to receive the seed or not. And it's the same with us. Our job is not to convince anyone of anything. It's just to share what we have experienced. You know, too often I think we feel pressure in this matter to behave sort of as used car salesmen for Jesus. You know, what do I need to do to get you in a relationship with Jesus today? <laughs> Cut the price? What do I need to do? And that makes people suspicious because they think, if it's such a great thing, then why are you trying so hard to sell it? As I said a few months ago, our job is simply to ask questions and tell stories. Ask questions like, what's going on in your life? What's... What's been hard for you lately? Can I tell you a story about how God has helped me? After I preached that advice a, a few months ago, a friend of mine ended up that week in a, in a conversation with a colleague of his at work, and the colleague was complaining about pushy Christians. And my friend remembered the advice I'd given in that sermon, which I find sort of encouraging that someone is actually listening. And so he just started asking questions. Things like, well, how did that make you feel? And... What did you think about that? 
And they said, can I tell you a story? And he told a story about a person he knew who prayed for healing and, and was healed. And, and his colleague said, really? That's interesting. Tell me more about that. And the colleague began to relax. And, and they had this great conversation. And my friend said it was a relief not to feel the pressure to have all the right arguments and make all the right theological points. Instead, he just had to ask questions, tell stories, and build a relationship. And it's not our job to close the deal. That's between God and that person. Our job is to just simply ask questions, tell stories, build relationships. A fourth thing this story, this parable, tells me about how to share our faith is that we can't prejudge who is going to respond to this message. The sower doesn't look at each type of soil and say, ooh, bad soil, I'm not going to put the seed there. He just sows the seed everywhere because he never knows where it's going to take. We cannot decide in advance who will or who won't respond to this message of God's love. So we just need to share it everywhere. A friend of mine used to be a science professor at Berkeley, and he was an atheist. He said he used to love to debate Christians because, in his words, he liked to turn them into intellectual jelly. Well, one day he had to travel across the state with a distant relative of his. This, this relative was sort of a country bumpkin sort of a guy and a Christian. And this relative brought with him this gigantic Bible, the kind you have to have installed in churches, you know, ropes and cranes and things. <laughs> and throughout the car ride, this relative just kept talking about how he'd experienced God's love through Jesus. And my friend kept trying to turn him into intellectual jelly, but the the bumpkin just kept asking questions and telling stories, which got my friend thinking. And out of that experience, he started reading some books and talking to some people. And after a year or two, he ended up becoming a Christian. Now, an atheist science professor from Berkeley, right, does not seem like a likely candidate to become a Christian, especially if the evangelist is a bumpkin, right? But finally, the simple, foolish facts of the gospel about a God who loves us and transforms our suffering into hope convinced him. You never can tell who's going to respond. We just need to cast the seed everywhere. Which brings me to my last point. The power of this story about Jesus and his love is what convinces people, not our arguments. You know, one of the reasons I think we shy away from sharing our faith is we're worried. What if that person asks that question and I don't have the answer for it? And we do need to have answers and give reasons to defend why we believe what we believe. But at the end of the day, there are books that do that. And if you ask me, I can give you those titles. What really convinces people isn't arguments. It's the simple power of this story about a God who died for us. You know, the seed in this parable, it says, can yield up to a hundredfold crop which is amazing. Even with modern agriculture, the best we can do is 20-fold. The word of God's love to us is amazingly powerful stuff, and it can yield a big harvest. A student I worked with was talking with an atheist friend of hers, and, and she, was re she was mocking this religious tract that she had found, making fun of it. And the, the first sentence of the tract was, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And she was making fun of this tract to this atheist friend of hers. But when she got to the line, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, the atheist stopped her and said, what's that? I've never heard that before. Can you tell me more? The simple, powerful facts of this story about a God who loves us is powerfully convincing. It doesn't need any help from us. 
Nobody is argued into the kingdom. They're loved there. Just tell the simple story of a God who is passionate about us and wants to be with us forever. Tell it to everyone, not prejudging who's going to hear it, and tell it with excitement and joy. So practically, how do we do that? Day by day, practically, how do we do this? Let me give you a couple suggestions. In addition to asking questions and telling stories, we need to love people first and then wait for them to open the door to talk about Jesus. Our job is not to sort of push at people and get in their faces and answer questions they aren't asking. It's simply to love them and then wait for them to open the door. And most people will. It may take years. It may take only five minutes. But at some point, most people will start saying things like, you know, my life seems a little bit empty lately. Or, or I'm struggling with something. And that's our opportunity to ask a question or tell a story about how God has helped us or, or to say, I'll pray for you or, or, or simply invite them to church. Ask questions and tell stories. Love people and wait for them to open the door. And most important, live a life that points to Jesus. St. Francis said, preach the gospel always and if you have to, use words. <laughs> the best way we share our faith isn't by arguing, it's simply by living a lifestyle that is refreshingly different. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine brought his neighbor to our men's adventure night. We went go-kart racing, if you'll remember. It was really cool. And his neighbor just had a blast. Only now he's a little bit confused and he keeps saying things like, I had so much fun, but I was with church people. <laughs> and we didn't drink. How does all of that go together? I'm confused. He's confused because he's always believed two things, that church people are boring and that you have to have alcohol to have fun. But by living a lifestyle that is different, my friend has opened up a whole new opportunity to talk about Jesus. Ask questions and tell stories. Love people and wait for them to open the door. And live a life that is refreshingly different. Confuse them. I met a man a few weeks ago who was a Muslim living in Iran. And he became a Christian when the Ayatollah Khomeini was in power, which could have gotten him killed and did end him up in prison for a while. And I asked him why he had become a Christian when it was so costly to do that. And, and he said that he used to be a debater and he'd, he'd go to these churches to debate with Christians and disprove Christianity. But there was this one church that he kept going to. It happened to be Presbyterian Church. And he said whenever he went there, people were so excited to see him. And they'd come up to him and say, oh, it's so good to see you again. We've missed you. How have you been? How's your family? Hey, how can we pray for you? They asked questions. They told stories. And, and then he said, and then they'd always give me tea and cookies, which is great. Some things are universal, right? <laughs> All around the world in church meetings everywhere, tea and cookies. You can guarantee on it. And he said, I couldn't get over it. I was there to disprove their faith, but they were so kind to me. And he said, it was the love of, of Jesus that drug me out of Islam and into the church. What we see in this parable of the sower is a God who is extravagant with his love. Like Jesus, the, the sower casts the seed everywhere, even on ground that doesn't want to receive it. It's almost a waste of expensive seed. I mean, you're tempted to say, no, you need to be more cost effective. Just, just put the seed on the good ground. Don't, don't waste it. But that's not our God. And the point of this parable is that God is extravagant, even wasteful with his love, willing to die for everybody, even for people who are rocky or shallow or hard or don't want anything to do with him. 
He is generous in the extreme. He is lavish with his love. And that is a story worth telling. I used to meet with an atheist every week to talk about his questions and his doubts. And one day I was just telling stories about why I follow Jesus. And I said, you know, for me it is just such a compelling story about a God who would die for his creation. There's, there's just no other God like that. And he said to me, yeah, but it's just a story. And I didn't have it in me that day to argue with him, so I said, you know what? I'll grant you your premise that it's just a story. I don't believe it. I think there are a ton of facts that prove that it really happened. But I will grant you your premise that it's just a story if you'll grant me mine. That if it's just a story, it is the best darn story ever told. And his eyes filled with tears, and he dropped his head and he said, the very best one ever told. Whether you believe in him today or not, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that is a story that I love to tell because people need to hear it so badly in our hurting world. Lord Jesus, thank you for your unfathomable love and the good news of your gospel. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to tell your story in words, but more importantly, in the way we live our lives. Help us to confuse people and help them to come to you, their Lord and their Savior, and know the good news that in you we can be with God forever. Lord, help us to be agents of that kind of joy. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.